this is Steve with Life Worth Living. You know, throughout our lives, uh, it seems that we have these kind of momentary times and we're gaining some momentum. And then oftentimes we'll sputter out and we'll end up right back where we were or even below where we were. But the fact of the matter is there is there's the opportunity and we have the ability with the help of God to gain momentum and keep that momentum uh, ever increasing in kind of a virtuous cycle, if you will. So we're going to be looking at that today and considering how an eagle catches up drafts and soars and continues to soar without being brought down. I really hope you enjoy this and it blesses you. So today we're going to be talking about how to gain momentum and we've been moving through Acts, and this is this fits right in here. But before we get right into Acts, um, I want to go ahead and throw that, that clip up there, if you don't mind. As I'm talking, there's nothing more visual than seeing an eagle soar. Nothing at all. And I don't know, you know, I, I don't study eagles, but I haven't seen an eagle gain a little bit of momentum and then take a spill. All right. No, you see an eagle just continue to soar higher and higher and higher. And God wants you to gain momentum. He doesn't want you to take two steps forward and three steps back or two steps forward and two steps back. A lot of us do that. God wants you to gain momentum and get higher and higher and closer and closer to him. And he doesn't just want that for you in your spiritual life. He wants that for you in your personal life. He wants that for you in your professional life. He wants you to get ahead. Do you believe that? Let me see everybody's hand who believes that. Because that's the first step. you got to believe that. Some people think that God wants you to have a thorn in the flesh for the rest of your life and, and just suffer the rest of your life and fail the rest of your life. I tell you what, God doesn't want you to fail. Did you know that? God wants you to move ahead and gain momentum. And so you don't have to sputter out anymore. You don't have to sputter out anymore. You can gain momentum and move closer and closer to him. You don't have to listen to this. You don't have to keep starting over at the same place over and over and over again. And we're going to be looking at, at eagles here. So let's look at Acts verse 6. Verse 6, chapter 6, verse 7. And it comes to me that I think I may have messed up in our bulletins and said Acts 7. This is actually in Acts 6, so my bad. But look at this, this verse. So the word, and see if you don't see momentum here, all right? So the word of God spread. <laughs> the word of God spread. Guys, God wants his word to spread all in your life. Have, have you ever made uh, yeast rolls and you put in yeast and you, you knead it, right? And that, that yeast gets all throughout the, uh, the batch of dough that you're using. God's word wants to spread in your life. Get into every nook and cranny and gain momentum in your thoughts, in your purposes, in your plans, in every area of your life. The closer I get to God, you know what? The better I get at business. 
The closer I get to God, the better I get at my marriage. The closer I get to God, the better I get at other things. You just name it. And God helps you. I tell you, I had something peeled back in my mind and my thoughts that I've struggled with for decades. It happened this week. You know why? Because God's word is spreading in my life. And it can spread in your life. Have you ever experienced it before? Yes, I hope you have. And so the word of God spread. It gained momentum. And the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. Did you know not everything from God is slow? (laughs) A lot of times we look at God and we say, God, why are you so slow? And you know what? He's looking back at us and saying, why are you so slow? (laughs) If you would get on board with me, things would march forward a lot faster in our life and we'd get to where we need and want to be a lot quicker. God isn't slow in keeping his promises, the Bible says. And so we read on, it says, a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. And this was part of what we spoke about last week. But now we're, see, whenever you read your Bible, you put on different lenses and you see it from a different angle. It's like taking a diamond that has multifacets and turning it around and analyzing it and seeing things that you didn't see when you read it the first 50 times. <laughs> it's so cool. The Bible's the only book like that. Every time you read it, it's new, it's fresh, it's stimulating, it's engaging, it's changing, man. That's why I encourage you to read your Bibles most every day. Remember we say, not every day, don't read your Bible every day, all right? That becomes legalism, but most every day. Read your Bible, man, get into it and get the, what the Word of God has to tell you, praise God. So... We're talking about momentum here. Isaiah 40, verses 29 through 31. Look at this. This is so blessed, so incredible. Verse 29 of Isaiah 40 says, He gives strength to the weary. How many of you are tired sometimes? Not not just physically tired. The worst kind of tiredness and weariness is spiritual weariness. It's where you feel like, and I've felt this way recently, you feel like you can't hardly breathe. You're so pinned down, so, so taken with a worry, with anxiety, and that spiritual weariness. But you know what? God says he gives you strength. He gives you power for your daily life, praise God. <laughs> I wasn't going to say this, but I remember our, our first three children were born 19 months apart. 19 months apart. And so you're just barely recovering from the first one when you have the second one. And the whole sleep thing problem sets in, you know. And I remember what laying there one, one Sunday afternoon on the bed just like collapsing and thinking, oh, my word, i got five more years of this, you know. But you know what? He gives strength to the weary. No matter what you're going through, God gives you strength. He breathes in you, lifts you up, says he increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. What's going to happen to them? They're going to soar. In other words, they're going to gain momentum. They're going to gain momentum. They will gain ground. They will never lose. They will increase in their altitude, and they won't come back down to the place where they were. You can go high, and you can stay high. And I'm not talking about drugs, all right? You can go high, and you can stay high. 
God wants you to reach that place. The Bible says we've been seated in heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. And he was seated high above every power, every authority, everything spiritual, everything worldly, physical. We've been seated with him. We've been seated. Look at that past tense. We've been seated with him. You have been seated with him. You just got to realize it. Start living that way, and you're going to live and stay in a different realm. We're gaining momentum like we, well, on wings with, uh, like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So what on earth is the secret to soaring? All right? And which is the, the, the soaring is the key. There's the secret that's the key to momentum, and that's what we're going to look at. Now, let's look at the eagle. I can't get out. Last year, I got on my eagle kick, and I'm sorry I'm doing it again this year, but eagles soar as high as 22,000 feet above sea level. That's high. I mean, that's where commercial jets, <laughs> they go a little higher than that, but that's where commercial jets are at. All right, and the crazy thing is, is to gain this altitude, they don't really flap their wings very much. That's what soaring is. It's not flapping your wings. There's a secret here. They don't flap their wings much to get to that altitude. What is their secret? Their secret is the updraft. There's an updraft that they've identified, that they find, and that updraft from nature takes them and causes them to soar. Now, an updraft is an upward current of air that pushes the eagle or takes the eagle higher. Now, there's two primary updrafts that eagles tend to use. There's a, what's called a thermal updraft and an orographic updraft, also called a ridge updraft. And so the thermal updraft is this. How many thought you were coming to church for science? <laughs> All right. So thermal updraft is that the sun, S-U-N, not the son of God, but the sun, heats the surface of the, of the earth and it produces an updraft, all right? So the topography, the, the, the landscape can really a, a, attract some of this heat, and it causes an updraft. And these eagles know that, and they know where to find the updraft. And they go to that. If they want to soar, they find that, that spot, and they soar. The other one is what we've called, uh, just call it simply a ridge updraft. And... Um, this one is found as the wind hits a mountain, hits a hill, it sends the air up high. And so these eagles will soar along a ridge line and without, again, without expending much energy at all. And so, interestingly enough, the landscape or the topography determines the eagle's altitude. I find this interesting as I studied this, and I, I really looked at this carefully to make sure what I'm telling you is accurate. But these thermal updrafts tend to be more on the plains, coming from the plains or the valleys, and the ridge updrafts are the mountains. And it's interesting that eagles tend to catch higher altitude based on sea level, higher altitude from the valleys than they do the mountains. And I want you to associate what I'm telling you with your life today. God's going to take you higher from your valleys than he is from your victories. Your valleys are there, are, for, are there for a purpose. 
And God uses those difficulties, those problems, those difficulties, those challenges, those impossibilities to take you higher if you will let it take you higher. Now, you can be like that proverbial eagle that was somehow thrown out of the eagle's nest, ended up in a chicken coop, all right? And so this poor little eaglet, I told you about this last year, started pecking around, getting the little chicken feed, all right? But he noticed, have you ever watched the movie Elf before? All right, it's kind of like that. This eagle got bigger and bigger and looked different, smelled different probably, (laughs) acted different, but kept trying to be a chicken. And God doesn't want you to be a chicken anymore. God wants you to soar, to get out of your chicken coop, get out of your languishing and start being the person that God has called you to be. You have the ability to soar if you will start identifying with who you are. You're a son of God. You're a child of God. You are a daughter of the Most High King. All right? God has given you wings to soar if you'll start using your wings. And we're going to get to that in just a second. Now, here's another interesting fact about eagles is as they migrate and they come upon a storm, if they're not already found a place to kind of stop, you know, rest for the night, you know what eagles do? They fly directly into the storm. And the reason, they're about the only bird that'll do this, the reason why they fly into the storm, they just head straight into it, is because they know that there's an updraft in that storm. And they're going to find the updraft so that that updraft takes them above the storm. And eagles are known to fly above thunderstorms. It's, it's, a, it's a known fact. All right? So you, when you're faced with a problem, don't run from it. Go directly into it and find God's updraft for your life in the midst of that, in the midst of that storm. God wants you to soar with wings as eagles, but How? There's always a question, how do you do this? This sounds great. I want to go out of here with the warm fuzzies and get all psyched. And then Monday morning, how am I supposed to do that again? That was a good story, but how do you do that? Make it real. Well, I've got a couple of thoughts from a paraglider. And I have a good friend who's a paraglider, so I got to talk to him directly. And he's right back there, Lee. (laughs) I got to talk to him. He gave me a couple of books. I've read them, not all of them, not all the way through, but man, I want to go paragliding, all right? And so I want to give you some thoughts from a paraglider, and I want to also, part of this is my own personal experience, and I shared this with you last week. I want you to watch this lady as she is picking up, watch her legs as she's, do you see that? As she's getting off the ground, she actually had to just pick up her legs because her legs weren't doing any good, all right? And I want to tell you, the first step to soaring with an e- as an eagle is for you to pick your feet up off the ground and start trusting God. Amen. Start trusting God. Pick your feet off the ground. Stop relying on yourself and start relying on God. He's got power to help you. He's got the ability. He's almighty. He's all wise. He's got everything you need. We're going to talk about that next week. He's got everything you need. So in in Proverbs 
2.22, I believe it says, Stop trusting in man who has just breath in his nostrils. Of what account is he? Stop trusting in yourself. Pick up your legs. And so I was, I told you this last year, but I was out at a park near our house, and there was a guy training a guy to paraglide. All right? And so I'm walking around, I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to start walking and stop walking until I see this guy go into the air. It's really, really interesting. And I'll never forget the instructor telling his students, saying, and I've got, his, I've got this memorized, what he said. He said, when you get up there, it's just you and the sky, bro. <laughs> when you get up there, it's just you and the sky, bro. And I was thinking, man, that's what I want, spiritually speaking. I want it to be me and the sky. I want to be above my problems, not under my problems. I want to be soaring like I've never soared before. But anyways, this guy, and the reason why I showed you that, that little video clip Sure enough, he finally got going. His instructor said, run! <laughs> so this guy started running. His, his parachute got into the air, and I watched his feet. And sure enough, he was, he was worried sick. You could, he was running as fast as he could, but then it started carrying him. And then he came back down. He kept running a little bit farther, and finally he made the conscious decision to lift his legs because there's kind of a seat that you sit on and just sit and let it just carry him. God wants to carry you, but you've got to lift your feet up. Stop trusting yourself and start trusting in the living God. All right. Now, here's another observation. Observations from a from a paraglider is that updrafts are not visible. You can't see them, (laughs) but it doesn't mean they're not real. Updrafts are real. That's what eagles use. They can't see them, but they know they are there. And we're going to be looking at this next week. God is unseen. The Bible says God is invisible. But that doesn't mean God isn't real. God is real even though you can't see him. And the things of God are real even though you may not be able to see him. As we'll see next week. That's what faith is all about. Is trusting in the unseen. But I don't want to give that away too much or get into that too much. So, anyways... Uh, these updrafts are not visible. They're real, but you got to know where to find them. You have to know where to find your spiritual updraft and how to get into it. Here's some, some other observations in talking to Lee, but the middle of the updraft is where the strongest lift is. Right in the center, a hot center of that updraft is where you want to be to catch the updraft. Now, interestingly enough, on the fringe of the updraft, it's turbulent. It's, it's hard to get into that updraft. There's, you're going to hit, you're going to experience some bumps and some challenges as you try to get into your spiritual updraft, or and this is a physical updraft. You're going to experience turbulence. There's some bubbles and bumps that you feel as you're getting close, but that tells you you're getting close to the updraft. You're getting there. You're close because it's tough, because it's hard, because it's difficult. But push, you got to push through the turbulence as a as a paraglider. You have to push through that turbulence to get into the updraft. It's rough outside, but it's smooth inside. And I'm telling you, I thought about this. I should have thrown it up here on the slides. What does it feel like when you're in the updraft? You have peace. 
You're not pretending to have peace, but you legitimately feel a sense of peace. You have a sense of joy. You have God confidence. That's the essence of humility is God confidence, not self-confidence. You have faith. You have love. You have self-control. That's the center of that updraft. When you're there, you're there. And you know you're there because these senses, even these feelings are there. Even though we don't go by feelings, we go by faith. I'll tell you what, God produces some pretty good feelings. I'll tell you that much. I've noticed that from firsthand experience. Now, here's what else Lee was telling me is these updrafts, they do have an ending point. You get to the top of the updraft, and what next? Well, as a paraglider, you go find the next updraft. And you don't go descending and have to start all over again. There's a higher updraft that you move over to. And then you go higher and you get to the top of that and you move higher beyond that. You don't have to lose a lot of altitude. You just keep going higher and higher with Jesus. Isn't that awesome? What an amazing parallel. There's, there's endless, there seem to be endless updrafts that you can soar on. Now, Here's really, really interesting what Lee was telling me here is air, airlines or just an airplane that's powered by fuel, guess what? They try to avoid turbulence. Why? Because they're artificially powered and they don't really care to hit the updrafts because their jet engines or propellers is what's going to take them higher. All right? But you know what? <laughs> They miss out on the thrill of the updraft. And guess what? Whatever goes up has to come down. They run out of fuel. They've got to land, and they've got to refuel. But you know what? A paraglider can just keep going and going and going and enjoy the updrafts that come from that without any artificial power. God is your power. You're not your own power. You know what? Our fuel comes from heaven. Our, we have the sun. We were talking about the sun heats the earth. The sun of God produces our updrafts. And the wind that hits those hills and goes up, the wind of the Spirit is what blows you higher if we will just simply listen to Him. So what if, given another analogy, what if we just went ahead and pulled up our anchor, all right, and left the harbor? <laughs> what if, you know, I, I was laid off uh, over a year and a half ago and it was a challenging experience and that very, this very picture came to mind is Steve, it's time to pull up your anchor, it's time to put up your sails and I'm going to take you to where you need to go. Amen? Amen. And it works. <laughs> it works. God helps you. God takes you. You need to pull up your sails of faith and let God begin to fill your soul, fill your heart. Sometimes I have, I'm full of examples today, um, visuals, but I picture myself waking up most every morning as a hot air balloon that's just lying limp on the, <laughs> on the ground there. And guess what? I need to be filled with God to be able to kind of pick up, kind of a pick me up. And God, every morning, get up and just start praising God. Start worshiping God. Start thanking God. And he's going to fill your soul. And you're going to be able to get back up there. And guess what? You'll need it again tomorrow. But that's what trusting in God is. Reliance on God is exactly that. 
It's saying, God, fill my soul. I'm going to read my Bible and get the word of God in me. I'm going to pray. I'm going to hear from, hear from heaven, and it's going to lift my soul, praise God. So how can you and I begin to identify these spiritual updrafts so that we can gain that momentum that we've only dreamed of? Look at this. In one updraft, Daniel went from being a student to governor of Babylon. In one updraft, Joseph Joseph went from prison to prime minister. In one updraft, David went from being a renegade to king of Judah. Imagine that in one updraft. Guys, if there's something that I want to do is forget everything else. Give me an updraft, God. Let me find what you have for me, and let me get into the fiery center of whatever that is. Let me press through the turbulence, and let me get past my feelings, my thoughts, the lies that go through my head. I want to start finding my updrafts every day. They're powerful. So how can we catch our spiritual updrafts and gain this momentum? Well, here it goes. Here's the practical insights that that I'm learning and I'm trying to put into practice. First of all, You've got to put your trust in the Lord. You have to trust in the Lord. And you can't fake trust. I mean, can you imagine being married and pretending like you trusted your spouse? I mean, that's ridiculous. You don't do that. You either trust or you don't trust, right? And trust, you can sense in yourself if you're trusting God. If you're not trusting God, you're a worry. You're worrying, you're worry wart, you're anxious, you're you're trying to control, being a control freak and control outcomes all around you. That is not trusting in God. So you can try to trust in God, or you can just go ahead and trust in God <laughs> and do it. Now I'll tell you, a lot of times God is so merciful. He gently pulls something away from us that we're used to trusting on. And we're scrambling, oh, God, where am I going to put? You know, i got to hold on to something here. And God says, no, now you're going to put your trust in me because you don't have that thing to put your trust in anymore. Right? And so God gently pulls. You don't have to be one of these people that says, oh, God, what bad thing are you going to bring into my life now? No, you already have a bad thing. And it's not, it shouldn't be too difficult to figure out what it is. We all have bad stuff. We're all missing something. We're all stressed out about something. Use that to your advantage to learn to trust in God in the absence of that thing that you've been putting your trust in. All right? So you, you, want, you want to soar? You want to gain momentum? Trust the Lord. Lift your feet off and start taking flight. Lift your feet up. Did I say that right? Lift your feet up and start taking flight. To catch a spiritual updraft, you've got to be in the air to begin with. <laughs> You're not going to catch any air if you've got to stand on terra firma, right? And say, oh, God, no, no, I'm not taking any risks. I am risk averse. Guess what? People of faith can't be risk averse anymore. <laughs> they have got to trust in the living God. That's why Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, anybody that's been in church or read their Bible has seen this a hundred times. I get something fresh and new every single time I read this crazy scripture. It's one of my favorite ones. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In other words, stop trusting in yourself. All right? 
in all your ways, submit to him. In other words, start doing things God's way instead of your way. And what's he going to do? He's going to make your paths straight. The Bible talks of the paths of God, that his ways are higher than our ways. So we need to do some soaring to get into God's ways of doing things. Starting by trusting in the Lord. All right. So I've found that trusting gets me through times of oppressive lies. Have you ever had that? Just bombarded mentally, spiritually, emotionally, bombarded with lies, illogical stupidity sometimes. But it comes from the enemy himself, and he's he's trying to press you down so that you can't soar. Trusting God will get you through those times. You won't have any good fuzzy feelings during those times. You'll be miserable during those times. You will be unhappy even. (laughs) But you know what? Press through the turbulence and put your trust in God so that he can lift you up. I can't tell you hundreds, probably thousands of times where I've been down and God picked me up. I didn't do it myself, but I did trust the Lord and he picked me up. All right. Here's the second thing of how there's five of these, by the way, and we'll be done. Be God confident. Be God confident. Don't be self-confident. Be God confident. And that epitomizes humility, by the way. A God confident person should be a very humble person because they have no confidence in themselves. They have confidence in their God. I'll tell you what, when you're standing in your kitchen and you've got an impossibility staring you in the face, you say, I am confident my God is going to come through for me. I am God confident. We were headed up to Cloudcroft and we stopped at that big apple place that has all these cute, cutesy little things. And I saw the coolest little thing that I bought. It was a little, you know, when it's a little saying on a little painting thing. And it said, don't, let's see, how does it go? Don't tell God about your big problem. Tell your problem about your big God. Isn't that cool? Got that in my kitchen? Yeah, Don, we were talking about that. That's what you do. You're God confident. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, the Bible tells us. All right? Be God confident. So what does this look like? Spread your wings of faith. Going back to the eagle analogy. Begin to spread your wings straight out. You've lifted your feet. You spread your wings wide out so that you can begin to soar. Now, this, this should really spark in most of us something because we say, oh, I got this little bit of faith. God, you said a mustard seed and I want to protect my faith and I, I can't put my faith out there. And God says, put it out there. Spread your wings. Be God confident and say, I have faith in my God. Do you think an eagle can soar with its wings pulled in? No, it's going to plummet to the earth and probably die or be severely injured. Spread your wings of faith and say, I believe my God is going to take me through this problem. He's going to fix the problem. I'm going to get to the other side of my problem. It's not about how intelligent you are, how talented you are, how beautiful or influential you are. It's about your wingspan. It's about your wingspan. Now look at this. All right? Can you throw that up there? Look at this. It's not about you. 
It's about your connection with God. It's about your trust in God, your faith, your confidence in God. How wide are your wings spread right now? I tell you what, it, it takes discipline to say, you know what? I'm going to chance it on God. And I'm going to spread my faith out there. And you know what? If, I, <laughs> if, if he lets me drop, I guess we're all going down here because I'm putting my faith in God. God confidence is declarations of faith. It's assertive, spiritual assertiveness. It's being on the offensive instead of the defenses. It's about, it's about being bold and courageous and saying, I know my God is going to come through because he always has come through. If he's done it once, he can do it again. And if he's done it a hundred times, he's certainly going to do it again. I am going to put my confidence in the Lord. So this is, look at this, this is how you are to be. Remember last week we were saying, it's not just about what you do. God is talking to you about how you are to be. Bold and courageous. All right, bold and courageous. All right, the third, the third uh, way that you can begin to soar, or third step, because these are steps in my mind, is in fact to hope in the Lord. And I could give you all kinds of wonderful scriptures. Did you know that before you can have faith, you have to have hope? And they're kind of, they kind of feed each other. Don't get me wrong. It's not the, the, is it the chicken before the egg or whatever. I believe we need to feed our hope first. And then we can feed our faith. Our faith is a natural byproduct of being hopeful in God. And so instead of, look at this, instead of saying, what if that little pain that I have in my side is cancer, and then I go through two years of chemotherapy, and then I die, what is my family going to do? you see the craziness that goes through our mind? All right. What if we said, what if that's nothing? What if God heals me? <laughs> what if God takes care of this? And you start having hopeful what ifs instead of negative what ifs. That is going to feed your faith. And you say, well, Steve, is that even biblical? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. You look at, at uh, what was his name? David's best friend, jo- Jonathan. Jonathan, God didn't tell him to go show himself to those Philistines. He was just hopeful. He said, you know what? He told his armor bearer. Let's go, let's go show ourselves to those Philistines. And if, in other words, what if? If they call us up, we'll know that the Lord has given them into our hands. If they don't, then we won't. All right? So he goes, in hope, what ifs? They're called up, and God gives them a mighty victory that day. Mighty victory. So start having hopeful what ifs instead of negative what ifs. In Isaiah 40, Verse 31, it says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. What? They will soar with wings as eagles. Those who hope in the Lord. So what does it look like to hope in the Lord? Well, you get up in the morning and say, God, I'm hopeful that you're going to do something special today. I'm hopeful this meeting is stressing me out. I'm hopeful that you're going to help me through this meeting. Or I have this test or exam I'm taking. I'm hopeful that you're going to help me with this new job. I'm hopeful that you're going to help me with this family situation that I don't know what to do about. I am hoping in you, God, that you are going to do something here on my behalf. Start being hopeful. I believe most human beings, including myself, are just naturally 
negative Nancys, and nothing against anybody who's named Nancy. I'll tell you what, we're negative. We don't need to be negative, all right? We need to be hopeful, hope in the Lord. And if you read Psalms 33, just make a mental note of that. Psalms 33, there's seeds of hope that you can begin to plant. And, and hope will just start springing up in you as you read Psalms 33. So to hope in the Lord is to rest as his updraft carries you. Anybody who hopes rests. Rests. And I can't tell you the number of times when I'm going through an impossible challenge and I feel the Spirit of God tell me, just rest, Steve. Just rest. In fact, I had this picture once of a very comfy, cushiony uh, bed. And here I'm stressed out of my mind. I feel the Lord just lay down and rest. I was like, no, God, I'm not going to rest. I've got to keep my eye on the problem here. And Lord says, no, I want you to rest. When you hope in the Lord, you will in fact rest. And eagles literally rest on the updraft and spend very little energy as the power of the updraft takes them up. So we need to hope in the Lord and rest in the Lord. Here's the second to the last one. Be a thankful person. And I hope you see how all of these are connecting one to another and they're in fact in order. All right. But be a thankful person. And let's see if I can do this any justice whatsoever. We need to close the grace loop. We need to close the grace loop. And I'm going to throw up this slide here and kind of walk us through it. You see this loop here. First of all, God declares us as favored. He declares us as righteous. And he say, God, do you know how bad of a person I am? Do you know how many bad things I've done? And he says, yes, but I declare you righteous. And this is, in fact, if you've opened your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. This isn't all the population of the world. This is if you say, Jesus, I come to you. Please save me. Uh, please rescue me from myself. He declares you as righteous. He favors you. All right? And I want you to take the example of, of Mary, the mother of Jesus. She, an angel met with her. She was probably a teenager from, from what we can tell. And the angel declared, you are highly favored. You're highly favored. And Mary hadn't done anything. I mean, she's probably a good girl, but she, you know what she told the angel? She said, let it be done unto you as you've said. She accepted and received God's favor. See, when we say, we, when we tell ourselves over and over, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. Well, we're not. We're saints who sin sometimes. <laughs> but our identity is a new identity. All right, we're, we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, the Bible tells us. So we accept God's favor even though we know we don't deserve it. Now, through Jesus Christ, we actually have been qualified to receive this favor. All right, so grace starts, starts doing something in us. All right, see this, this cycle, by the way, is a virtuous cycle instead of a vicious cycle. It's going up. All right, so the next step is God begins to show you even more favor. He answers a prayer here. You lose your keys. It's God, God, please show me where my keys are. And God shows you where your keys are. And you say, that was a favor of God. <laughs> that was God's goodness. I did something dumb and God overcame my kind of goofiness. All right. Then God, so God shows you more favor. 
And then you begin to grow in the grace of God. The Bible says this, grow in the grace and the knowledge of God. You start to grow in the, in the knowledge of God. And this is what it looks like to grow in the knowledge and the grace of God is when you can say, as Paul said, his grace is all I need. His grace is sufficient for me. So you're in a problem and you want the problem to go away. But you see, the richness of God's grace is so good. You say, I want my problem to go away. Don't get me wrong. But your grace is so good to me. <laughs> your grace is so remarkable, so awesome. And you get to that place where you're starting your way up. And the, with these attitudes, God shows you even more favor. And you close the loop of grace by thanking him. Not the act of thanksgiving, but being a thank, thankful, grateful person. Because you know why? If you thank God, he's going to give you more grace. Now, there's this. Uh, I'll give you two quick examples. Let's see. I'm almost done. Um, Irvin High School. We go there. Tina and I go there. And, and Priscilla goes there. And, and uh, Michaela's gone with us. Anyways, we go. And there's about 25 high schoolers there. And one high schooler came up to me. And he said, thank you for coming every week. Do you think I'll ever forget that kid? I'll never forget him. Why? Because he thanked me. And then there was this lady who got a hold of our church phone number and called and said, we're freezing out here. I'm homeless. I need some blankets. I need some food. I need some wipes and some other things. And can you meet me close to Paisano? I live under the bridge over there with my son. I said, absolutely. Tina and I got this stuff together. We went down there. We met her. We gave it to her. Two days later, this lady calls me and thanks me for what we did. I'll never forget that lady. When you thank God, you become unforgettable to the Lord. He won't forget you. He won't ever forget you because you thanked him. And it closes the loop of grace so that you can just continue. So what does it look like? You thank God, he gives you more grace, you go higher. You thank God, he gives you more grace, you go higher. You thank God and you just keep going higher and higher with God's favor because you realize it's not you, it's him. Look at these two words in Spanish. Gracia, oh, that's Castilian. Gracia and gracias. Look at these, they almost look the same. And it's because they're, they're, one is reacting to the other. Gracias is thank you in Spanish. Gracias is saying thank you for your grace. Gracias por su gracia. Does, isn't that cool? That's Thanksgiving closing the loop of grace and giving you more and more grace. All right. Here's the last one is crave higher spiritual altitude. And that's just saying, God, I just want to know you more. Philippians 3, and this is where we're going to head next week. Philippians 3, verses 10 through 11 says, Paul says, I want to know Christ. I want to know him personally, experientially. I want to be acquainted with Christ. I want to be friends with Jesus. I want to know the way he operates. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. In other words, Catching that continuous updraft in my life and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, leaving my past behind me, leaving the ground behind me so I can fly higher 
and so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. I want to know Christ. I want to be in the hot center, the passionate center of that updraft, knowing Jesus better like I've never known him before. Praise God. So crave the divine. Crave going higher than where you're at right now. Crave the unseen things of God, which is what we're going to be talking about next week. And I hope all of you will come. So in summary, to gain spiritual momentum, look at these these five steps. Put your trust in God. Man, don't trust yourself. Trust God. Be God confident. Spread your faith out there. Hope in the Lord. Be a thankful person and crave higher spiritual altitudes with God. Let's pray.